When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPNFC. Craig Burley, Shaka Hislop and myself, Kay Murray, here in the studio. And we'll kick things off with Premier League action where Arsenal were at home to take on Newcastle in a game that finished nil-nil. There were a couple of big chances in it. One from Joel Linton, one from Enketia as well. But in the end, it was a clean sheet for both. There was a big decision in the 60th minute, though, that went against Arsenal when they felt they should have been given a penalty. Later on, another one as well. But this is how it ended. Arsenal, just a point from this one. It would have been a 10-point lead at the top of the table had they won it. They are still at the top of the table, but obviously a game ahead of Manchester City now. Still leading up there, but dropping points, and there'll be a lot to discuss with that game as we do now welcome in Frank LeBoff and Mark Ogden as well, who did see the game today. Craig, I will start with you, though. Yeah. Can Arsenal feel aggrieved not to have been yeah. given that 60th minute uh, penalty? I, I think so. Uh, certainly, they, uh, I mean, we saw the, the handball there, uh, but we didn't, both Shaq and I didn't think that was a penalty. But certainly the, the pulling of the shot from Dan Byrne on Gabriel on the six-yard box is pretty clear to me. Now, if the referee misses it, which obviously he did, then that's why we have the VAR. Now, if, if, you know, if that's not a penalty obstructing somebody, you just got clear hold of the, the, the shoulder of the shirt, the top of the shirt, it pulls him back, then we're struggling to understand what, what the criteria is for a penalty kick because it's the old adage anywhere else on the field and, and, and that's a clear free kick it's an infringement so yeah I think Arsenal can feel aggrieved about that quicker Teta watch he's still a pain in the butt on the side uh, never stops whether that's going to be detriment, whether that's going to be detrimental to Arsenal and the players as the season goes on as everybody gets hyped up and you know that, that feeling of the pressure and the anxiety and you look around and, and he's bobbing about as he is in the touchline we shall see but I think Arsenal, the one word for them, for me, today, was frustrated. Mm. I think Newcastle frustrated them. And uh, not a disaster for both sides, but I think they looked like a frustrated side today when that game finished. I, I think to that point, Arsenal have to be the more aggrieved of the two, for, for, for obvious reasons. And not, not just because, because of the penalty or no penalty call. Um, saying that, as I'm watching the game, and I'm, I'm a little bit biased in case you don't know, I'm thinking Pope does enough just to save Bullion's blushes. But then every single replay I see, I'm, I'm like, goodness me, he, he, Newcastle got away with one there. Um, but to be honest, um, Odegaard had a couple of opportunities, one very early on, that had he had a shoot at boots on and scored and forced Newcastle out to, to be more attack-minded, who knows which way this game would, would have gone. So there were a couple of opportunities that I thought Arsenal could have done better with. Um, but at the same time, you then have to give Newcastle some credit for, for how well they defended. Um, can't give them much credit for any attacking because I, I didn't see an awful lot of, of that. Given the size of, of, of Newcastle defensively, every time Arsenal got the ball wide, all they could do is try to sling it along the floor and Newcastle found themselves in really good positions just to tidy those up. So that was very frustrating for Arsenal. If, if you're Newcastle, you come away from this with a point thinking, I'm, I'm really happy at this point. I'm not so sure if I deserve it, but... Going to, to going away to the league leaders, that's a point well earned. Mark, you were at the game tonight. Could you feel that frustration? Was there a tension in the stadium? It wasn't so much in the stadium. I thought the atmosphere was quite good at the beginning, but I think it all turned after about half an hour and Arteta started to lose lose his temper. And it was it was like watching Pep Guardiola at his worst and Jose Mourinho at his worst. This kind of a, almost snarling away at the official. It was, it was in the face of the fourth official at one point, And that transmitted to the players. They picked up three pretty quick bookings. And at that point, you could see that they were getting frustrated by not being able to break Newcastle down. And then it transmitted to the stadium. So it was a strange night for us. And I, I felt that they showed a bit of inexperience tonight that didn't quite know how to deal with a, a team that was basically set up to stop them play. And Arteta showed his inexperience as well because it's only January. You know, we haven't even got to the point of the season where it gets tense yet and it gets edgy and it gets nervous. We've got five months to go. And the stadium, the Emirates, the, the, the fans are desperate for success. 
And what will happen is that frustration will transmit itself to the players. And this stadium will become a really tense and edgy and nervous stadium in the weeks and months to come. So the way that Arteta reacted tonight and the way it transmitted to the team is not a good sign. I mean, they've still got a great was it eight-point lead and Man City have got to go to Chelsea and win on on Thursday, which is going to be tricky because City aren't playing particularly great and Chelsea, who knows? So, you know, Arsenal have still got a very good lead, but I saw signs tonight that it's going to be tough from in the next few weeks because they do lack a bit of experience in key areas and it was all basically left to, to Saka and Martinelli to make a difference. And they're just young kids on the wing, really. Do you agree with that, Frank, that there are signs that there could be problems ahead for Arsenal? I wouldn't go that far, you know. It's, so, it's always hard to, to talk when you're the last, you know, <laughs> and especially when you agree with the guys. But I think, I think Arsenal could be disappointed with, uh, with only a point because they are like three, four chances to, uh, to score. But uh, it can happen, you know, and um, they did what they had to do. I think credit to Newcastle where, you know, we didn't see Martinelli a lot. We didn't see Odegaard and Partey a lot as well. And it was hard to, to cope with the situation. Yes, Arteta got very nervous. And I think he has to take care of his health and his heart. You know, if he carries on like that, he's, uh, he's going to be in danger. But uh, um, otherwise, you know, I think Arsenal did everything they had. They were kind of misfortunate at some point, you know. Especially with Gabriel in the first half, header and, uh, and Martin Lee's one uh, in the second half. Where they could have scored a goal and it would have been a different result. So, yes, there was a penalty for them on top of them. So, yeah, they can be disappointed. But if because of that game and of that draw, everything is, uh, is back to the, to the past. Or everything is, in, is, uh, is, is, becomes a question mark. I think it, it wouldn't be fair. I think they are in a good move, a good mood, and they have to carry on working like that, and, and uh, everything will go right. right. Sorry. I think it tells you everything you need to know, though, about this Arsenal side, that, that Newcastle approached the game in the manner in which they did. Because Newcastle really are, are, have been, certainly in the last six months, and certainly in the last uh, three or four months, but generally during the calendar year where they've picked up so many uh, points or last year, forgetting we're in 2023, <laughs> uh, 2022 rolling into this uh, this new year, they've played front foot football. You know they've got at teams even away from home. They've got at teams with shot at Leicester. Okay, it's a different kettle of fish, but they went to Leicester, blew them away in the first 45 minutes. Here we saw a very more pragmatic approach, and I think that that is down to the fact that Arsenal are obviously and have been such a threat with those players that Mark mentioned: Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, and even Inketia coming in. But today we saw the other side of Newcastle. Yeah, there was the frustration from the time-wasting and maybe one or two Newcastle players going down to get treatment and Arsenal were getting... The players were getting frustrated, the manager was getting frustrated, as Augie said, and it came through to the crowd. But their success in getting a point was built on one of the things that they addressed straight away when the ownership changed and Eddie Howe came in was the back line. You know, Burn, Cher, Botman, Pope... Uh, uh, Trippy, absolutely rock solid at the back. Want to defend big, strong defenders who can also pass the ball a bit. And they were a hard team to beat today. And that was a complete mindset change from how they have been playing recently. And so, as Augie was saying, it's something Arsenal are going to have to deal with. We're in January. There's lots of big games to come for them. Yes, everyone's a big in for them because of the pressure. But that's only going to intensify. And they're going to get this more and more. As the season gets deeper, teams trying to be hard to beat. To, to that point, though, I think, listen, I sat here a couple of days ago and said, I thought Arsenal continued to prove me wrong. And it's so many things that I've been saying about them all season long. And, and this, this could be another big moment for, for Arsenal and, and, and for Arteta. Because on, on the face of it, you are disappointed. Two points dropped. You see how, how Newcastle defend against you. But it's how you spin this. And we're talking about Arteta's and Arsenal's inexperience. But you just come up against the team who are third in the table at home. You have two-thirds of the possession. You, you have a couple of your standout players who have had better days, is the best way to, best way to put it. And you were the only team in the game, in all honesty. Now, what do you say to your team after that? And, and how, do you, how do you spin that in, the, in, in talking to your team tomorrow at, at the training ground? It's just, listen, we, we dropped two points, but we take that on the chin. You know, it's, it's no reason to panic. And if, as long as, as Arteta is able to do that, get that message across, get us to continue, I don't want to say back to playing their, their, their best football, because... 
it was it was damn good today. They just came up against a, a very a, a very resolute Arsenal. Play a game. Your game has got you this far. This is just a little knock on the chin. No big deal. We could cope with that. And Mark, what did it tell us about Newcastle then today? Did it tell us that they will be staying in the top four come the end of the season? They've just gone away to the leaders and come away with a point and still a clean sheet. Yeah, 11 goals conceded all season and they've only lost one game. And now I was at that game, it was Anfield. It was a very, very late goal. So they're very hard to beat. And I think, you know, there's a bit of a gap building there between the top four and the rest. And I think, you know, I do think Newcastle, I do think Liverpool and Tottenham, certainly Liverpool, will, will come good at some point. And that will be that will be the pressure on Newcastle. But as it stands right now, you've got to say defensively, certainly they can hold on. They do need some goals. I think they need, I mean, let's, let's be honest, it's two successive goalless draws now. So as good a result it is, that's two games without scoring a goal. So that is where the problems lie. But, you know, because everybody else beneath them is struggling to, to convince, they've got a chance. But there's a long time to go. There's five months to go. We're not even at the halfway stage yet. So Newcastle have built a really good foundation and they're very good defensive. That, that, is, that is the bedrock of all successful teams. But they do need to find somebody to score more goals. Scoring goals wasn't a problem for Manchester United today. Go on, Frank. Yeah, I think, I think we... Uh, 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 Craig just said that uh, that uh, he has to to say that the, the back four with Pop, you know, played very well today with Newcastle. But I think they showed to the world today, or the world was was watching the game that that in fact they w- they really work as a team because the four at front, you know, Julian Wilson, while um, um, uh, Almiron, and I forgot the other the, the other one, uh, Willock, sorry, uh, worked 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 all together, especially defensively. And as they wanted a result, they got it. They got it because they worked so hard together. Yes, Arsenal could have scored, but you have to emphasize the fact that most of the time, because when you have a clean sheet and it's been the 10th for, for Newcastle this season, it's because of the back four and the goalkeeper. No, it's not. It's a teamwork. And Newcastle is showing to the world that they can be very strong away from home. And you have to respect them because what ADO is doing with the team can say that in the future... They can finish in the first four because they are working together and they, as long as you don't lose a game, you have always a chance to win it. And it's what's going, is going to happen to them, for sure. Uh, yeah, it was a win for Manchester United, though, over Bournemouth today. It's a game that you had your eye on, Frank. Uh, what did you make of them in the latest win? Well, I would say that I was bored the first half, except for the Casemiro fantastic goal uh, that, he, that he scored. And... Um, I like the second half, what they did. Maybe because Bournemouth tried to, uh, to, to play a little bit and to, to, to get the, the results back. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, there were only one team in the, uh, on the field. And, uh, and the second goal from Luke Shaw is absolutely a beauty for me. Where he gets the ball back in his own 16-yard box, bring it back. Uh, Luke, he, he's, he's going to get the ball now. And, and going to get everything, you know, the 1-2 with Rashford. Then going to go forward. He's uh, going to switch uh, to, uh, to another player, but he's going to carry on playing. And uh, and uh, and gonna get the ball uh, the, the ball back, you know, uh, and, and score the goal. And is the man of the match because the ball that he gives now to uh, to Fernandez is a, is a quick, it's a real beauty and a great Craig. goal from Rashford. So second half good because the nice moves, but uh, first half quite quite boring. Craig, have you heard from Jan Agafiato? I have, yeah, Jan. He's a Jan <laughs> keeps reminding me. I've told you. He says, I told you, mine. I said we've talked positively. Most of us about Man United after the rocky start to the season. Look, it's not rocket science when you have two absolutely hapless managers and coaches in there that a very experienced one with a much better CV comes in and starts to turn things around. There's no doubt United are looking, there's a long way to go, but they're looking in a good place to really push for that top four. Now, I am, I'm not denying that. There are so many improvements so far that we've seen. Players returning to form like Marcus Rashford, uh, Casemiro coming in, doing a brilliant job. Obviously, he's, he's got a big cup game at, against Everton on Friday, so he's, he's made a couple of changes to this game. You've got Dallow who came back. Uh, you know, that back line will change. The two centre-halves will change whenever he's fit and, and fresh again. So, yeah, there's lots and lots of positives. There's, As I mentioned, there's two cup games coming up and then they have Man City and Arsenal. So it's a big three or four weeks for them. I think they're in a good place to meet those demands head on. 
But as somebody who does like to give a bit of reality when we're talking about these things, you have to look at the last three league games in terms of who they've played. Two of the teams in the bottom three, in Nottingham Forest and Wolves, and Bournemouth have been struggling. So you can only beat who's in front of you. But my point is, there are just so many bigger tests for this Man United side to come. Mark Ogden, Harry Maguire was in the starting 11 today. How's his future looking though? Uncertain? Well, he played today, so that, that's a positive, isn't it? But I guess I don't think Maguire can get out of the United at the moment. I think he's got he's got three years left in his contract, and it's going to cost a lot of money for a club to take him out, or United have to make a massive cut on what they expect for him. So I don't see Maguire going anywhere. I think he's just going to have to fight for his place. But when United are at their best, it'll be Varane and Lisandro Martinez at centre half. I think that's a reality. I think that's the best centre half partnership. So Maguire's going to have to wait for his chance to come, and it it might not come this season I think when we get to the summer that's when United might look at moving him on but I just don't know where he goes I mean it's a bit like the Ronaldo situation this isn't it that you know a player that's got a big price tag big wages a a decent reputation but you know where does he go where where does who who buys Harry Maguire who signs Harry Maguire I don't don't see a club out there that, that wants him or will pay what United want or pay his wages so I think he's stuck at United but you know he played tonight and I think He's better than people give him credit for. I think he's a confidence defender. I think when he plays in a team that has got players that are playing well, he's got a, mid- a midfield that's protecting better than last season, then he'll do all right. But ultimately, I don't think he's a Man United quality player. I, and that will, will kind of bear itself out in the in the future windows. But like I say, they've got to find somebody to take him off the hands, pay a decent fee and pay his wages. Augie's got more chance of selling those glasses. <laughs> Than Man United have of selling Harry Maguire. Yeah, but he doesn't want to be a squad think, player, think, does he? I think Arsenal have handed them out to every journalist when they've, when they've arrived at the Emirates tonight with the looks of them. I want to, but, but, I want to, be able to see what I'm doing. <laughs> but, uh, oh dear, glasses. Somebody's pinched mine from my desk as well. Chips, yeah. chips they were. Somebody's pinched them from my desk. Just, just to put the finish on. Harry Maguire is 29. He doesn't want to be a squad player, does he? He is. But I agree. I mean, you're talking transfer fee, you're talking wages, and then you're looking around at the clubs. You're not, he's not going to go to Liverpool, he's not going to go to Chelsea. They're not going to buy him, he's not going to go to Newcastle. They've, got, uh, they've bought centre-halves, he's not going to go to Arsenal. So, so where then are you looking? He's unlikely to return to Leicester, they've, they've got the money for him. So then you're looking at, at a loan. Uh, does then Eric Ten Hag want to loan him out because he, he's quite happy like I suppose in some sense Ronaldo when he was there became a squad player you need these guys that if Varane, Martinez, Lindelof any of these are injured or not playing well or ill you need people to come in so I, I think he's I think he's kind of stuck because you know he did a good job for England uh, in the summer in the summer at the World Cup bearing in mind he hadn't played or hardly had played for his club and I think whilst he's not the favourite at Man United with the manager he at least knows as Augie said he, when he's on his day he's a decent centre-half that can come in and do a job so I, I kind of think he's stuck there because Man United need to have a deep squad Oh well they don't have Cristiano Ronaldo anymore on Tuesday he was unveiled at his new club Al Nassar and he did say that he turned down other offers from different teams before joining yep. this club in Saudi Arabia. He said, nobody knows this, but I had many opportunities in Europe, Brazil, Australia, America, Portugal. Many clubs tried to sign me. I gave my word to this club. I want to give a different vision of this country and football. This is why I took this opportunity. What do you make of what he said there, Mark? Because you've been out to Saudi Arabia and seen how the setup is there in football. Yeah, I was at uh, I was at Al Nassar during the World Cup, and listen, it's a nice stadium. It's probably it's like an MLS stadium. It's twenty five thousand. It, it's compact. It's tidy. But I mean, I was at a game that Newcastle played against Al Hilal, and the, the, the stadium they played at is where Ronaldo is probably going to make his debut in about ten days, and it's just not what Ronaldo's used to. It, He's going to have such a culture shock when he plays in Saudi Arabia. It is really sad that the fact that this great player that is used to playing at the Bernabeu, at Old Trafford, at you know at Juventus, he's going to pursue his career in Saudi Arabia. Now, he said the right things. Obviously, he's speaking in Riyadh. He's speaking at his new club. He has to say the right things. But I can't believe that 
I mean, the money's massive, obviously, but I can't believe that he's gone there for the chance. He, he talks about clubs in Brazil, in Australia, US. If he's been offered a chance to go to Brazil, go to Brazil. What, what a legacy that would be to go to Brazil and try and win a, win a title in Brazil. Or, you know, he mentioned Portugal. Why on earth is he going to Saudi Arabia? Because it's not a league that anybody goes to. You know, there are leagues in the world that, you know, former great players go to. They go to the J League, they go to MLS, they go to they even go to the Qatari League. Nobody goes to Saudi Arabia. And it might start people going to Saudi Arabia, but I, I just don't see it. I, I, I just think it, it can say the right things, but there's, there's no valid reason to go to Saudi Arabia other than the massive financial package that he's getting. I thought we promised not to talk about him again, although I did bring him up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure there were clubs that were interested in signing him, just not the clubs that uh, back in the summer when he initially was trying to sort of make a move or uh, work his way out of Man United during the pre-season. I think he was hoping that those clubs were going to be elite level in the top leagues and, and they just were, were not. No matter what his agent is telling him or whoever's telling him what, those offers were just not there and, and I think it was a surprise to him that that there wasn't really any takers from the from the real big boys. So so yeah, he's he's making his money, that's that's his that's his choice, but I don't think there's gonna be many people interested in the results. Uh, from the Saudi Arabian League. Uh, just uh, at the bottom end of the Premier League, things aren't looking too good for Everton. There were a couple of other games today as well. They had a big loss to Brighton. 4-1 it finished in that game. Leicester also beaten 1-0 by Fulham. As for Leicester, that was their third loss on the bounce since the restart. This is how things are looking at the bottom end of the table. Now we have FA Cup action coming up starting on Friday. Manchester United back at it against Everton. You've got Spurs taking on Portsmouth as well to kick things off on Saturday. Liverpool Wolves, Man City against Chelsea. And on Monday, it will bring us Oxford against Arsenal. All of this available on ESPN+. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Head on over to our website to see the latest article from Mark Ogden on Chelsea's problems and how Graham Potter might not have too much time left there at the helm of the club. Mark Ogden is still with us, Frank LeBuff as well. Just taking a look at Graham Potter's record at Chelsea. It's 15 points from 10 games, four wins, three draws and three losses as well. 12 goals scored in that time, nine goals scored against them. So... Potter is under a bit of pressure right now, it is fair to say, Mark Ogden. The January transfer window transfer window is now open. Are they trying to hijack that deal for Mikhailo Mudrik? They are. I, that's what something at Shakhtar today and Chelsea have been in touch and they've opened talks with, with Shakhtar about Mudrik and they're going to speak to Dario Cerner, who's the, the, te- the director of football at Shakhtar later this week. So, you know, it could be a play just to put a bit of pressure on Arsenal to 
to up their bid. But the thing with Chelsea is that they're spending money like I've never seen before in my life. I mean, they've already committed over £300 million down players. I think when they get Benoit Badia shielding from, from Monaco, it'll be over £300 million since the summer, which is crazy. And so I've got Enzo Fernandez as well for over £100 million. So they've got money to spend. So Mudrick, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70 million pounds. Chelsea can do it because when Todd Bowley took over in the summer, they paid 2.5 billion for Chelsea, but committed 1.75 to infrastructure and, and investment. It seems going to spend most of it on players. So Chelsea are in for Mudrick and let's see where it, go, where it goes. They, they do get deals done. So I'd say they've got a very good chance of getting them. Is this what they need, Craig? Well, they've got a lot of wide players <clears throat> or wide-ish players, which which he he generally plays. Uh, however, some of them are not playing particularly well. Uh, you know, Pulisic, Sterling, Zayech coming off the World Cup. Uh, Mudrik is a different kind of player. He's more direct. He's more he's pacey. Uh, young young guy, uh, very dynamic. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it it just seems. The new ownership has come in and it, it's trying to do everything very quickly. And it's a bit of a scattergun approach and that includes the management. So, I mean, we have no idea what they're going to do in that front. They've got two games in the next uh, four or five days against Manchester City. Uh, they've just come off the back of, a, of some more disappointing results. So, I mean, yeah, they might go and bring in these new players that Augie mentioned, but, you know, who's going to be managing the club and what kind of decision is this consortium going to make? In that respect, if, if the results continue to be uh, of a negative connotation. So I, I just don't know at the moment with Chelsea. It seems to me they're just throwing everything together and seeing what sticks. It's interesting though, isn't it, Mark? Because it's a lot of money that we're talking about. They seem to be spending a lot of money. It, it's got that fantasy football feeling to it. Does Potter get a say in any of this? I'm sure he, gets, he has an opinion, but how much his, his opinion counts, I mean, I think we've seen, it, it is fantasy football, isn't it? I, I think the money they've spent, and that, there's no real strategy to it. You look at those signings they've made, and I don't I don't understand how they can let Lukaku and Timo Werner go and not bring a striker in. They're, they're just signing defenders left, right and centre, and they're paying, all, they're paying massively over the odds for players. Kukure they paid too much for, Wesley Fafana they paid too much for. You could argue they paid over the odds for Raheem Sterling, because I think what he's given since he went to Chelsea is nowhere near what he was given to Man City. So, I, I just don't see in that list of incomings what a Graham Potter player you know they brought Graham Potter in to, to turn Chelsea into a club that's you know going to play the long game but the signings that long game signings they're all over the place and, and the Mudrick thing just seems to be oh well Mudrick's available let's try and get Mudrick as well it, if I was Potter I'd be quite concerned he's got his big chance he could never turn down the chance of managing Chelsea but I think he's going there thinking what, what am I doing here What I mean, in terms of Where's, where's my say? Where's my input? Where's my fingerprints on this team? I don't see it. And when I saw him playing against Forest at the weekend, it was like a, a team of strangers. And the, the players just don't fit together. And unfortunately, that's what he signed up to. And I think he knew what he was signing up to. But he's stuck with it now. And I think he's, he's going to find it difficult to turn it around because he's playing with, he's working with players that aren't his players. Frank, do you share Mark's concerns about Graham Potter? I do, I do, because we so many times at Chelsea, you know, coaches coming and going, and uh, and, and it's sad in a way that um, if Mr. Potter knew that he had no fingerprints to uh, to put inside the the, uh, the the club, he shouldn't have signed because he knows that he will be in a, in, a, in a washing machine and he will never uh, see any or make any comment about what he says about the player signing and uh, and of course you know somebody has to pay the price and uh, it's always the the coach who plays the play, pays the price because he's the only one. You cannot change five or six players. I said yesterday in the show, or two days ago in the show, you have to change, in order to be better, five or six players who normally plays. I don't want to mention names because it's not my duty to do so, but we all see what's going wrong inside that team. I don't, I don't think Mr. Potter has a chance to build something. I thought he was picked to change the way of thinking of Chelsea, not buying stars, but building something with young players, with Mason Mount, for example, and so many other players who could bring something to the club. Fofana was a very good idea for the future. You know, and we see all those players struggling because there is no idea, there is no plans whatsoever from anybody. And the only one who can have a plan is Mr. Potter, because he's at the head of the, of the team. It's not Mr. Bolly, it's nobody from the board, it's not, of course, the press, he can't even be the players. He has to be Mr. Potter. But if he cannot say anything, 
of course you're going to go for a big mess. If he cannot buy the player he wants and, for, and he's forced to play those players, the board signs, it's become a big mess. And it's what, it's what we have right now. And uh, as Craig said, you buy players, you put everybody, you get you almost steal players from other clubs to make sure that you get all the players, but you don't know what to do with it. So it's a big I'm, mess. I'm, I'm, con- I'm concerned for him. I think this, this is going awry very quickly. Uh, when he went into Brighton, he replaced Chrissy Hewton, who I thought, and I do think he's a, he's a good manager with lots of experience, but he's very pragmatic. He's very pragmatic in his approach, and he completely, the boys touched about putting his fingerprint on it, he completely changed. It was a full 360 in terms of how they played the game. It was Brighton were a team that survived and been hard to beat. They then became a side under Potter that were playing some of the best football in the Premier League. Yeah, they lacked some goals up front, and that was a big problem for them. But he completely changed the mindset of these players and how they approached the game with some recruitment as well. I just don't think he's going to get that and be able to do it at Chelsea. It's hard to teach old dogs new tricks, and... He's searching and he's searching and he's searching. And the other side is, we just don't know. We knew under Abramovich it was hiring and firing. We just don't know what this consortium are going to do. I, I, I really sympathise with, with Potter and the position he's found himself in. And, and to Mark's point, I think he's gone in there and found things to be a whole lot worse than, than he thought. Or maybe he went in thinking that he would have some time to turn things around as, as he did with Brighton. But what you've seen with, with, with Chelsea under Bowley is... Craig used the term scattergun approach and it's exactly this January so far and certainly this pursuit of Mudrick seems to be following on from what you saw in the summer. From the time you see somebody else go after a player now all of a sudden Chelsea throw their, throw their hat in that same ring and there, there doesn't seem to be any thought around what we need or what we're going to do or players that we're going to go after. We, somebody else has identified a good player so therefore we should get ourselves involved and we all wondered what Bowley would be like once he took over this, this club. And it seems like he's trying to be Roman Abramovich part two, but without the experience of hiring and firing and, and without the buffer of success at, at club level. To, so the, the fans could buy into to whatever it is you're doing, or more to the point, football and football managers know what they're signing up for. So it's, it's in total disarray for, for Chelsea. And now you have a very good manager in Graham Potter under immense pressure. He hasn't had a transfer window yet. Oh, this is his first. We're three days into Potter having a transfer window and addressing any of his needs with Chelsea. How, how is that the way to run a football club? I, I am not at all sure, and I sympathise for one of the brightest minds in, in English management. And just what any under-pressure manager would want this week is back-to-back meetings with Manchester City, Mark. Are these meetings going to prove decisive for his future? Well, I think if they lose against City in the league, that puts them really out of the, the top four race. I mean, considering how Man United are pulling away right now. And the FA Cup, if they lose the FA Cup to the Etihad, that's, that's another competition closed off. So if they're out of the top four race and they're out of the FA Cup, they're out of the League Cup already... They've got to win the Champions League to get back in the Champions League next season. So that's massive pressure. And, I, you know, Top Bowl is saying it's a different kind of Chelsea and Potter will get time to, to change things. But I don't I don't buy that. I think if they miss out of the Champions League, it's a different scenario altogether. And I think you can have a plan. But if, if you miss out of the Champions League, you have to... You know, Top Bowl is inexperienced. It has to look at managers that have got a track record. And I think it's an experiment that looks like it's failing because... Graham Potter hasn't been given the tools that he needs. He's just been given, like you say, a blank checkbook, by it, but it's the owner that's spending the money, not the manager. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this transfer window. You can keep up to date with all of it as we say goodbye to Mark Ogden, but you can go on over and check out our transfer talk on the website and see what's going on, especially with Chelsea's race for a striker. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. 
Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Thousands turned out to pay their respects to Pele, who was laid to rest in Santos, the city of his former club. Pele had been lying in state for 24 hours in the center of the pitch at the Urbano Caldera Stadium for the public to pay their respects. His coughing had a Brazilian flag draped over it and was carried through the road full of fans mourning for the loss of Pele. Over on our website, Tim Vickery has written an article on what he meant to Brazil. Genius, king, god. Brazil gave Pele many names and he lived up to them all. You can check that out over on our website. Espanyol have filed a complaint against Barca for fielding an ineligible player, that player being Robert Lewandowski, whose suspension was put on hold after a ruling by a Madrid court. Espanyol maintain their view that the striker should not have featured and are pushing forward with their complaint. They filed the appeal with the Royal Spanish Football Federation against that three-match suspension he was given. Vinicius Jr. suffered racist abuse in Real Madrid's 2-0 win over Valladolid and let's say not for the first time in Spain has the player undercome racism. The abuse occurred as he left the pitch as a substitute. He was initially upset at La Liga's lack of reaction to this incident. They've now filed hate crime charges because of this incident. This is the league statement on the racial abuse suffered by Vinny, saying La Liga has presented formal complaints to the appropriate judicial, administrative and sporting bodies over the racist insults against the player, Vinicius Jr., during the game between Real Valladolid and Real Madrid during the last match day. A criminal complaint for hate crimes has been filed with the court in Valladolid, accompanied by the audiovisual evidence gathered in the investigation, which has been carried out with sound and images published on open sources. Isn't it time for something else, Shaka? We keep seeing these it incidents is. continue. And, and we, we had this, or it seemed to be a, a similar situation play out, again with Vinicius Jr., again the court's ruling... Um, that the racist abuse wasn't, didn't last that long, and because it was a derby, it was understandable, so the courts refused to do anything about it. Um, so I'm not sure that, that, the, that the league, in, in their efforts to address racism in, in, in the game, can rely on the, on, on the judicial system. That being said, to their statement, they're saying that they've lodged appeals with, with the administrative and sporting bodies, but surely... La Liga is the sporting body responsible for La Liga. So I, I don't understand why there isn't um, meaningful uh, legislation drawn up within the league in, in addressing these issues. Within the league, ask UEFA for guidance, ask FIFA for guidance, however you want to do it. But to me, despite what the statement may, may, may claim here, it just again feels like a passing of the buck and in a manner that they know or has already been shown, there won't be any action taken. Yeah, obviously, if La Liga can take matters into their own hands, then there can be action Mm. taken against incidents like this, and we do hope that that will be what happens in this case. We do have more Copa del Rey games coming up on ESPN Plus across Wednesday and Thursday. I'll tell you what, Craig, I definitely know where Ibiza is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Where's Linares? Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. U.S. Soccer have released a statement concerning an investigation to an allegation of domestic abuse by Greg Berhalter in 1991. It says, consistent with our commitment to transparency, we will share the results of the investigation publicly when it is complete. U.S. Soccer condemns violence of any kind and takes such allegations very seriously. Last month, U.S. Soccer launched a full technical review of our men's national team program. With the review and investigation ongoing, U.S. Soccer will announce who will lead the January men's national team camp in the coming days. We look forward to building off the performance in Qatar and preparing for the journey towards 2026. There'll be a lot more talk about this topic on the latest edition of Football Americas. Make sure to join Seb and Herc for that on ESPN+. What about this? Kylian Mbappe and Ashraf Hakimi in New York to see the Brooklyn Nets win over the San Antonio Spurs. It was after they'd been given time off by PSG. Christophe Galtier did say he'd given the players time off. A few days to recover after being rushed back from Qatar. Here they are. They met Kevin Durant and his teammates after the game. And it all seemed a, a very nice venture out for them. They're saying Kylian's brought his mate with him. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he took in the show when he was over here. Now, a little has been made about the fact that it came just after a loss to Lance. Uh, well, we're not making a little... <laughs> we're, not, we're not making a little of this. I mean, Christophe Galtier did say, Frank, that they were OK to have a few days off. Will this have been agreed with the coach? A trip to New York? That I don't know, but I think... Uh, I mean, they have, the, they have the, the right to do whatever they want, you know, as long as they come back and, uh, and be fit. And uh, they knew that everybody would know, so I guess there was, uh, there was people in, uh, knowing at Paris Saint-Germain what they were doing and agreeing with that. Uh, it, gives, it gives a nice view of the club, you know, and what uh, the, those players represent to the, to the club. You know, it's nice to see, I, I'm talking about Kylian Mbappé, a French big, big top star, you know, where we've been talking about Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar for like 10 years or even more and suddenly we start with Mbappe now Ashraf Hakimi it's nice to see new stars coming up and being welcomed everywhere even in the United States where most soccer players are, are pretty unknown and, uh, and I'm, I'm okay with that you know they're the young players as long as they recover and even if they lost a, a, a game before if the coach says you can go you know they can do what they want you know they're grown ups and they have to perform after uh, the next week. That's the only thing matters. Would you have done it, Shaka? Would I have done it? Little well, trip to New York to see the Nets? If I was young enough and I had that kind of money just <laughs> to, to spend on a, on a weekend trip, sure, I'd do it. Listen, to, to that point, I, I don't see an, an, an issue with it. Not, not, in today's, not in today's game, not with the way travel is in, in, uh, today. That, that, that's not an issue. You see players doing that all the time. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate it comes right on the, uh, on the back of a loss. But other than that, this is nothing uh, unusual in, in Those today's football. Those two probably came on a private jet. Him and I were coming on the boat. <laughs> four days to get there, four <laughs> days to get yeah. back to. Yeah, I would be rowing. Two days in the US. <laughs> Shan, keep rowing. <laughs> Choppy waters ahead. Nah, look, the, the other interesting thing is, like, maybe, I don't know, 20, people know better than me, but 20 years ago, they would have walked any kind of, even a, an amazing soccer player 20 years ago would have walked into a basketball dressing room and nobody would have probably have known mm. who the hell they were. But even these big stars over here in the US now, now suddenly realise, along with the NFL players, that this is the biggest sport on the planet. 
Yep. You're trying to tell them for all this time. We've been trying. Yep. And Killian Pilots and Ashraf are doing the work for us as well. By the way, there'd the only be one person rowing the boat if him and I were coming over, because he'd be in the back of it sleeping. And a while I'm grafting away. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let's have a row here. Well, we did Quite see a rowboat competition. Euro. Neither of you guys were involved in that one, though. No, right? no. Yeah. In Madrid, um, Gaza, Cotty, Stevie, Stuart Robson, Clint Thomas. <laughs> Stick around, we've got extra time coming up next. What a lovely memory. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Frank LeBoff is joining Craig Shacker and myself in the studio today. Just a, a, few, a few memories about a special moment <laughs> in Madrid when there was a, a robot race. Yeah. Yes. You have to pick your poison carefully. Who gets in your boat? <laughs> <laughs> the wrong person gets in your boat. It's not just rowing you've got to worry about. Anyway, first qu- <laughs> the first question is a good question today. It's from Dan's high chair. It says... <laughs> oh, <hold on>. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> from who? Dan's high chair. We have... Oh, goodness me. Honestly, some of the questions sometimes you've got, you got to question the questions. But some of the names... Oh, no. Beautiful. Ah. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> the, the righteous anger of Craig Burley's one of Ned them. 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 Riley the big golden decorator. Dan's high chair. Dan's high chair. Anyway, Dan's high chair would like to know, for all, can you on the sidelines, Frank. Uh, I have to say no. I mean, the guy is uh, is 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 really playing with his health, you know, and uh, and he has, really has to take care of his uh, uh, of his heart, you know. He's not going to last long if he carries on like that, you know. Complaining about everything. We wanted red cards for every foul from Newcastle. Complaining to the ref. Complaining to idiots. Complaining. Well. Um, but I never seen that in my life, you know. I've seen nervous uh, coaches, but not that amount, you know. And we, we I, I, in contrary, I had Ruth Gullit, you know. He was always sitting on the bench, you know, and uh, never had any reaction. He was always cool uh, and calm, maybe too much for some people, because some people were comp- I, I've been complained about that, saying, you know, that guy didn't care in fight, which I think it wasn't the case. But I never seen somebody like Arteta, never. Stuart Pierce. Stuart Pierce was, I think Stuart, sure, I think. Um, well, his nickname alone said it all. Oh, right. I mean, I, I, I played, I played with, with Stuart both at Newcastle and West Ham. I mean, incredible player. But as a manager, I, I remember playing. I think I was, I think it was Pompey went up and played against against Manchester City when when he was managing, and he would come out and you know he pressed with quality managers as ever to the dugout, and he would go and sit really quietly. And just sit there and the press would take photos. And from the time the referee blew the whistle, he would just, he would, oh, he would stay on the bench up until the referee blew the whistle and he would just fly off. As though, as though he was still playing, he would just fly off and he'd be on the sidelines running up and down. If you were playing on that side of the pitch, it had to be, and especially if you were a wing back because that was his position, it had to be the worst experience as, as a wing back playing for Stuart Pierce. <laughs> When he's right there in your ear. I think he's going to tackle you. He's going to you. <laughs> when did you play under him? Or was you watching him? No, uh, I, I played with him at Newcastle and, and oh, West Ham. And no, Pompey went to Manchester City. Oh, I see. So I'm but sitting you, there. Were you watching him? Yeah, I was on the bench. No, I was on the oh, bench for right. Pompey, so I was right there. And I, I think it was Pompey or West Ham. But anyway, I was, so I was on the bench and I couldn't believe I was seeing it. Like... And he would be right in the air of the wing back all game long. It was murder, murder. No, but you know, I, I don't, I didn't have anybody like that. But I know what players are like. Certainly, if you had somebody who was even remotely close to that, the players would be like, "Sit down," yeah. you know, to the manager, "Sit down, shut up." Yeah, it's like, you know, shut up, shouting at me every two minutes. I'm going stand on the other side of the pitch. Just to get away from him. <laughs> you were quite entertained by Arteta's antics today, Craig. I think the game. No, no, he loves it. Craig loves I Arteta. Every show now, we're going to have Arteta watch. It's because he is. He's like he drives you nuts. 
But you know, they're having success at the moment, so who am I to argue? But what made me laugh was when he thought on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was, when he thought that Brighton had brought the game back to 4-3 before VAR chopped the goal off and there was like five minutes left, all of a sudden Arsenal's big lead is gone, well it looked like it. He was the one in the touchline was yeah. going like that to the players calm down. With <laughs> 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 30, 30 seconds before the goal had gone in, he was running about bobbing around like, I'm like panicking. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, a, he's a character, isn't he? It's Listen. passion. It's passion. <laughs> OK, Craig, what does Eric Ten Hag have that Jose Mourinho or the other United coaches don't have? Why is he turning the club around in such a small time? Well, I think we need to just slow down a little bit because, given his due, Solskjaer somehow managed to get them into second place. Uh, so did uh, Mourinho yeah. at one point. Okay, the football wasn't great, blah, blah, blah. But I think we have to slow down with the turnaround. I mean, they're playing better at the moment. They're currently in the top four. There's bigger tests to come than three teams that are arguably going to be relegation material, certainly two of them, Wolves and Forest, who they've just played. You've got to throw Bournemouth in there. So yeah, I mean, bringing Casemiro in, I suppose, is one. Dealing with the Ronaldo situation, I think showed strong management. But, what do we, I mean, if, turning around is a big statement. It's, there's a long way to go, is what I would say. Because he brought some much needed discipline. To yeah, I think, that. well, he's brought in, a, he's got a good CV, He's trying to change the way they play, and they're all of a sudden playing some, some nice football again, passing the ball quicker, and he's shown who, who the boss is. So that's a start. Uh, I think, listen, so, yeah, so Shad did get them into second, but we had questions about his management throughout. Jose Mourinho, similarly. I think one of the big differences between Ten Hag and, and, and Jose Mourinho is that Ten Hag is handling a lot of, or trying to handle, the, any situation in-house. And at times, I think Jose Mourinho kind of spoke out against players. And, and there's no easier way to lose a dressing room than throwing players under the bus. Not, not just the player involved, but everybody else in that dressing room. And it seems, again, a lot of the Ronaldo issue, for instance, um, was played out in public. But that was not Ten Hag's doing, in, in, in my opinion. And I think as a result, the, the, the dressing room is... A little bit more unified behind him than he, than he showed under Jose Mourinho. But, but Craig's also right. While the football is a whole lot better, I, I don't think anybody's put in a whole lot of money in Manchester United finishing second, certainly not this season. So in terms of turnaround and everything that it means, we're still a little way from that. All right. They are only nine points off the top. I mean, not, I'm not suggesting they're in a title race. They've got City and Arsenal coming up in the league. But... You know, it's it's uh, they're not a million miles. But it, but it has been good. They have United have been really good. I, I've they played well of late. Yeah. But yeah. Then then again they've played. If they play like that against Arsenal and City, then we're. Re- I mean, if they go and beat those two, or they play against those two teams and, and beat them, who knows what the hell is going to happen? But I think that's unlikely. You'll be hearing from Jan Agafiatov every single time I, I, I win now. Jan. I don't know. What, I've no idea what country he's in when he tweets me. He's on the road somewhere. He's in front of some hotel door. At least we know that. Yeah, they're that much. He's always got a fire warning in the background, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> if by any chance. Uh, next question is for you, Shaka. What advice would you give to Arsenal so that they do not make the mistakes your Newcastle side made in '96? Well, one of the things we, we discussed about is just a manager recognizing the pressure and, and understanding that the pressure is going to come and. Just try to keep a lid on it. Keep that confidence of who you are and what got you to this point. Um, I I think that's where Newcastle came unstuck in that 95-96 season. As we were nearing the finish line, you could see it. um, Pressure started to tell. And and there were a couple of things that... That that, that season, I don't think Newcastle... I think I'm ready to say, I I don't think we won a single game on the road from January to the end of the season. And just little things like that take a toll. And you just need, this is when you need your manager just to rein things in. And just say, listen, never mind the little, the little knocks that you get. 
just continue to believe in, in who you are, and which is kind of what we've been seeing about Arteta for much of today. So this is when, Frank, the Arsenal players need Arteta to say, guys, calm down. Calm down. down. We need 4-3 yeah, Arteta. Or, or, <laughs> yeah, and they can go even the, uh, against the coach, look like Craig said, you know. You know, calm down, sit down, shut up. You know, we don't want to hear from you anymore. We, we, we're going to deal because we don't hear you. So stop doing that because only the right back or the left back on the, uh, s- uh, the second <laughs> half can hear you. But the others, we don't. So shut up. Just sit it, you know, stay cool. The issue I've got, one of the issues is not, I mean, I don't like to see, I don't mind a manager being passionate in the sideline. That's fine. But doing it for 90 minutes, almost, and doing it outside his technical area, quite away outside his technical area, and almost, actually, at the weekend, Lee Dixon on NBC was saying that he had bumped into the assistant a couple of times. <laughs> Not Lee, the uh, uh, Mikel Arteta, because he was so close, he's literally on the line. And sometimes when fullbacks and wingers are, are running up and down the, the wide channels, they're actually just leaving the pitch momentarily when you're making these runs. And he's in the way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at least stay inside those white lines. I hope he keeps doing it, though. <laughs> you, oh, he's going to keep... Oh, he will keep doing it. Sure. I like it. All right, Craig, if United... You've half said this, actually. If United keep going like this, can they challenge for the title? If not, how many players do they need to get to be up there with Arsenal and City? Well, uh, I think they are... Well, certainly for me, I, I don't think they can keep this run going because there are... There are much tougher games to come, particularly in January. Uh, so I don't think they're challenging for the title this year. I might might be wrong, but I don't think so. How many players? I mean, unlikely to change the goalkeeper. Varane and Martinez. Uh, Dalo, I thought a right back, but Dalo's done fantastic. Juan Bissaka's playing at the moment. I think they need another couple of midfielders in there to aid... Casemiro to be able to, you know, sort of dynamic players that, you know, they have Fred and McTominay to come in, but I think they need better players than that to to help out Casemiro, help out Eriksen, help help out Bruno Fernandes. So I think that's an area. And clearly, clearly they are not the only club, but they need to bulk up in the striking department. That's that that's a must for them. Yes. So probably at least three or four quality players. I would think. To take the next step. Which is the more attractive club at the moment, right now, if you're a striker in the market between Manchester United and Chelsea? Manchester United. I, I think what you've seen, at the very least in terms of management from Manchester United, gives you greater hope. What you've seen in terms of ownership from Chelsea, um, I, I think, puts you off. That being said, Manchester United have their own ownership issues, rumours that the Glazers are trying to sell, etc., etc. But... Um, Right now, it just seems that Manchester United are on far more stable footing. Frank, have United got a shot and, at the title Kate, at all? Excuse me, but I want to answer to the question you just asked to, uh, to Shaka. If I have Manchester United or Chelsea, I think I will have a third club, or maybe a fourth one, because I would be good enough to have other clubs. And then I will go to the other clubs and not those two because Manchester United just came back from a dreadful uh, time and Chelsea is in the middle of it. So I will be a big striker, a good striker. I will go for a club where we can bring me a little bit more stability than, uh, than the, those two clubs can bring to me right now. So what was your question now? <laughs> Do you think they have a shot at the title? How far off are they? Chelsea or Manchester United? No, Manchester United. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, as, as Craig said, you know, they have two big games to play in January. After that, it's going to be easier to answer the question. If they beat Arsenal and they beat Manchester City, we can consider that uh, they can be contenders. If they lose again, the two, if one of the two teams, no, never. I think, uh, I think uh, City or Arsenal will, uh, will win the, uh, the, the Premier League. The last question is for me, and it's about how I'm feeling about the job done by Michael Carrick since being appointed. Very, very happy. Get Craig to read it. Read the question, Craig. How is Kay feeling about the job done by Mr Carrick 
since being appointed. Very, Very happy. This Craig with no glasses, by the way. Long away, it's long way away. Oh, so it's, oh, it's okay, I got you. He has definitely turned things around. There is a feeling of belief among the squad, and there's definitely a playoff push on, which we weren't saying at the beginning of the season. Oh, oh look right, at yeah. you. And, and uh, look at you. Uh, Man United in the title chase? Oh, <laughs> I, I, can I change the question like Frank did? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love it when you do that, Frank. By the way, we just started, we just need to have a competition uh, on extra time for the best Twitter handles that we yes. get. Dan's high chair. Dan's high chair. That's one that. today. That's well, no, that's hundred <laughs> percent. But you know he's got. Oh, you yeah. know he does 100%. sit in the high chair. Oh, you, oh, you absolutely. His do. kids, his kids sit in normal seats <laughs> at the dinner table, and he sits in a high chair. And his missus has to strap him in. When he goes to the barber oh, to bring out that big piece of foam for him to sit on, <laughs> give him some Legos to play with. He does, and he gets his he gets his haircuts for about six dollars. <laughs> adult price twenty six. Kids, six. Oh, listen, Dan will be back tomorrow to defend himself. Well, and he uh, opened, well, let's be honest. You open the door. He's had to have a, the pedals in his car have had to be extended. <laughs> he sits in the car and his wee legs can't kind of get to the accelerator. Like so, if he gets, his, you didn't know this. Oh. He has a special car belt, particularly with the pedals. <laughs> Come on. No, he doesn't. Okay, that's it now. We're off. How do you know? Seriously, I'm longer than all of you. All I right? believe Craig. He's got little legs. Dan's going to be back tomorrow to With defend himself. Join us then. With little legs. Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/fc. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/fc now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/fc.